Hello, everyone, and welcome to the season three premiere of Press Coverage. Glad to be back here on the Going for Two Live Network. I'm your host, once again, Kyle Senra. I'm excited for this season, and uh, my first guest for this season is actually a former Going for Two Live member. So uh, glad to be back uh, part of the family. Uh, I could say here's a guy, and uh, more specifically, here's a football guy, Kevin Coleman. That, that, that sound good, Kevin Coleman, football guys? Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. Bring back memory. I forgot that we started our first ever show on the Going for Two uh, Live thing. Yeah, I, I remember that now. Yeah, you guys have a great... I love you guys a lot. I love Jeff. I love you. I love all you guys there at the at the at the site. You guys are great people. Yeah, appreciate that, Kevin. And uh, yeah, the Debbie Royale started here on the Going for Two Live Network. I know uh, Jeff was a writer for us before. I think that's the connection. And Jeff mm -hmm. specifically wanted both you and Christian Williams. It started from there. Now uh, it's grown uh, to. I, I know that you guys go by a different title now on the show. It's the just the Football Guys College Show. Yeah, it's a football guys college football show. So now it's kind of changed to more mainstream. It, it's weird. We can't be like as as hot and takey and stuff on the old old channel, but we're still we still have fun. Yeah, that's great. I think uh, yeah, I know I certainly uh, enjoy uh, listening to all three of you. Uh, I feel like you guys uh, bring a good positive attitude to to the uh, community, but also great quality analysis. So it's, uh, super useful for everyone to to watch and check out. And yeah, yeah. so super happy to have you on. I appreciate it, man. Uh, but I guess, uh, yeah, so a couple of, if anyone's watched in previous seasons, uh, I've got a kind of a list of sort of uh, standard questions. And uh, for this season, there'll be a bit of a, a twist. And I guess I'll kind of reveal it as we go along. Uh, but uh, yeah, some specific questions for uh, the, the guest list this year. But as always, we want to start from the starting. So what were your first sports memories? Yeah. So like, I, I was trying to think about this. There's one that sticks in my mind and it's funny because I lived in Alaska. So if people didn't know this, like I actually, when I was a younger kid, I grew up in Alaska from like, I was like five to 10. Um, and I, we were out in this middle of this, this, my, my brother worked at someplace called Larson Bay in Alaska. You could only get there by plane. You couldn't get there any other way or, or you could, you could um, get there on boat, but that's pretty much it. And, um, and we had to call, you have to call the TV provider at the time. And because we wanted to watch Utah versus Chicago game six. And at the time it was like some movie, I think it was like gone with the wind. And so they actually had to change the whole channel for the entire town to watch the Jordan hit his shot against Utah. We got to watch the whole second half, me and my brother, my brother's 13 years older than me. So a little bit of an age difference. Um, but that is how we got to watch the Michael Jordan game six shot. And um, that really sticks up to me because that was one of those times when I was old. I think I was like eight ish, seven ish. Um, and my brother was older, so he, you know, he, he kind of, we have to experience that together and that's what sports is about, but I'll never forget having to change this entire little podunk town in Alaska's uh, TV channels to the, to the basketball game. For, for some people that like living, a, you know, away from the continental United States could be one big fantasy. Um, yeah. so how did, uh, you go from sports to or just sports to also enjoying fantasy sports? Oh man. Um, so yeah, so I think for me, it got, it got to where I was high school. So when I was going to high school, uh, the biggest thing that happened with me with fantasy was, um, one of our, one of my best friends at the time, his dad was going to a fantasy draft and they were hosting it. And one guy just dropped out last minute. So he looked at us and we were 14 at the time. And he was like, 
you guys want to be in a fantasy league? And me and my buddy were like, sure. What is a fantasy league? And we, we had no idea. And so, you know, he, and now that I think about it, now that I'm old, I'm like, oh, that dude hated bringing us to his fantasy draft live party, two 14 year old boys. And we co-owned a team together. And so my first ever intro to fantasy was co-owning a team with my best friend at his dad's, like, uh, at his dad's party, like at home league is as we call it now. And I didn't know what the heck that was back then. Um, and we just, it, dude, it was so funny. Like, cause we're cowboy fans. So we drafted like Drew Bledsoe in the first round. Like we were drafting all these cowboys and we did awful, but it was just a lot of fun. And then ever since then, it kind of hooked us. Um, and I played kind of sparingly throughout, throughout high school. Like, you know, I was, it's not, it's not as easy as it is now. Like I actually host a, fantasy football league for my high school students that are at our school this last year and we have like a fantasy club now and sleeper just makes it easy because it's like hey there it is perfect like before you had to go to espn or yahoo or whatever um and so like kind of sparingly just did it and then it just kind of became like one of those things where really it's just a home league thing with my brother like me and him that's how we stayed connected being older um than me like the one thing that we talked about was sports and so um, we were like, Hey, do you want to just start a fantasy league together? And like, so we had a home league, me and my brother, basically we've had it all, it lasted about 13 years. And then la last couple of years with COVID and some other stuff with his job, he just hasn't been able to do it. And, and that's where it just stuck. Like in terms of playing fantasy, uh, that's, that's really where it started with. And that's kind of where I, I, I kind of get my inspiration from really is I'm just a random dude that just plays fantasy. Like I, I wasn't really big on anything else. Like that's just I'm, i just write and i just do content and i kind of do it for the random guy like me that i was that i didn't have a ton of time but i kind of liked it that's kind of how i kind of approached it day to day so it's funny you've already mentioned a few key things that we're going to touch on well, first off you mentioned jeff lambert right our, our the big boss here at goy for two the founder a creator of all this great uh live network uh checking in so appreciate that jeff uh the cleveland connoisseur jamie is also here and uh gator j also saying kevin in the house so yeah, uh, I think uh, people are excited for uh, the show, but uh, specifically the guest. And uh, yes, uh, you mentioned teaching, and that is kind of the connection we're going to have. So I decided uh, a couple of the guests I wanted kind of coincidentally happened to be teachers, and I'm decided I'm going I'm to push that theme uh, to the extreme, and we're going to kind of I'm going to bring on quite a few teachers throughout this uh, third season of press coverage. And there's you know there's quite a lot actually in the the fantasy industry, and. Uh, be fair, I've, I've already brought out a couple in previous seasons, I think namely of uh, John Lobb and uh, Gabe Gearing, but uh, yeah, still a, a wide reach of people to that clearly have been inspired to want to teach the next generation. So Kevin, that's the next question for you is when did you first get the inclination that you wanted to teach? Yeah, that's a, that's a really, it's funny. You, you got me going back old school, Kyle, trying to think about like, you know, my life, my life lessons here, my story. Um, you know, when I, I was actually going to law school. So, you know, for those of you that don't know, um, I actually, I, I got into law school. So like that was going to be my thing. I was going to be a lawyer. And then so, um, and I, cause I didn't know what I wanted to do. I kind of bounced around from college to colleges. And that's what I always tell kids too. Like I went to so many damn junior colleges. It is a nightmare getting my transcripts. Cause I just bounced around a lot. Cause I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, and so I was going to go to law school. I got into law school and then, you know, by that year, what I did was I, I got a job offer as a coach. So 
Um, this this team needed to be it was a seventh grade B girls team. So you're talking about like the worst team on campus. So it's the B girls or no, it's eighth grade, eighth grade B girls, excuse me. And like just the worst team on campus. And it was eighth grade girls. And so they needed a coach. The coach quit right before the year. And I knew I knew kind of like being in like the education world, you kind of know people. And someone that I was at school with was like, hey, they're really looking for a coach. And I had played pretty um competitively like I had gotten into Jew college football before I broke my ankle so I, I kind of have that background and I was like yeah you know what I can do basketball I'll coach it so that year I coached that seventh or that eighth grade B girls team and I just remember like we won one game Kyle like we won one game we were that bad but I remember that one game we won and we were very close to a lot of games and so and we you know you have kids and, and you and coaching just kind of came naturally to me and I was like man I really like enjoy this I, I really enjoy kind of helping these kids and um that year we had, you know, a couple girls that are kind of a little tougher. So you get some, it's just like teaching. You get a, these kids that are, are tough in the classroom or they've, you know, some tough home life and you don't really know what's going on. But again, at that time I was 22, kind of a dumb kid and, and didn't really know either like what was going on. And, and so um, after the season, one of the girls, uh, one of the girls attempted suicide. And so, and I found this out and I called their parents cause uh, they had told her about it. And, and the mom was like, I really want to, I want to, I want to have lunch with you so we can talk. So I was like, okay, yeah, no problem. So I went and met with her and she sat down and she said that her daughter was going to do this like three months prior, but the basketball season, apparently she told her mom because of me and because of the impact we were having on the court. And even though we weren't winning, but the things that we, I, I did with the kids and made them feel like a team and all that stuff, she felt she didn't want to let us me down and she wanted to be there for her team and me. And she's like, thank you. Because who knows, like if she would have done it then, you know, maybe she wouldn't have been thinking about that. She said she thought about that afterwards. And like you were a big influence. And even though she did attempt it, she kind of did it as a cry out help, not like a full attempt or whatever that meant to her. And I was like, damn, like, I remember I go home and, and my wife now, who was my girlfriend at the time, I was like, I was like, I don't know if I could have that type of impact as a lawyer. Like, I don't know if that's something that I want to do. Um, and I, I was like, I wonder what else I can do. I could coach. And then I was like, well, I like history because I'm a lawyer and I went to like, I have that kind of background already. I already had that degree. Um, and I was like, you know what? I could probably be a teacher. And to be quite honest, like, because of her, that experience with her. And I still, I still actually talk to her. She's doing well. She has, she has kids. And I now I feel old. She has kids and, and, and she's, she's doing that stuff now. Um, she graduated college and stuff. And so like that for me was kind of that catalyst of like, you could go be a lawyer, but like, where's your soul going to be? Like, do you, do you think that's going to make you happy? Is it financial that you're going to make you happy? Cause yeah, I probably would have. Um, but just having that impact with her, I know there's a long answer. I'm sorry, but just that, that impact um with her and what she did and, and that team um really kind of launched me into it and it's been ever since then you know it's been it's been it's been a struggle last couple of years but i always go back to those times that i've had that impact and i've had it multiple times throughout the last 10 years um but overall just it's been a it's been it's been a wide it's been a it's definitely been a wild ride well first off no need to apologize for long answers that's what we're trying to gain out of this is these <laughs> deep detailed answers but truthfully like the importance of influences in our lives that yeah. like, it, it speaks to it as a great example. So I guess uh, my next question is, when did you start teaching? But I guess that that's kind of answering it a little bit. But uh, I guess I'll ask, do you remember what, the, the first class you taught, taught, for instance? 
Yeah. So my, my teaching experience is a little different than most. Like, um, so I got into a program. So because I got into law school, um, I had applied for the teaching credential program and they were starting a new program at that school, the same school I was going to law school. And they're like, Hey, we think you're a perfect candidate for this based on your background. And it was a co-teaching program. And so essentially I actually became a full-time teacher. So in the credential program, those of you that don't know, um, Usually you just go observe for a semester and then you teach two classes and it's kind of like an entry. Well, this co-teaching program at the first day, I taught five periods with my co-teacher and that was, and we did it the whole year. So it's like you actually, and they paid you a little bit. So you got a little bit of a stipend. I think it was $2,000 stipend, which is nothing, but it's something more than what you get. And so like that first year, man, I taught uh, five periods. I taught four periods of geography. Uh, a period of um, ELD, which is super great. So it's English uh, language learners. Essentially, we, we taught mom kids English. So for, like basically generation kids coming in, not knowing any English. That was a really rewarding class. Like my, my co-teacher did more of that, but I was able to kind of observe her um, and that helped. And then that year I also coached. Uh, I coached football. I coached basketball. I coached two sports. So it allowed me as a teacher to really get involved and see kind of how to deal with like everyday stuff. And so that first year and that first year too, the co-teaching, I taught five periods, but they flip classes at the middle of the year. So you get a whole new batch of students. So my first year teaching, I taught over almost 200 kids and most don't have that experience. So when I rolled into my first year as like a real teacher or however you want to call it, like I was ready to go because I've already really taught two years basically under that uh, under the my co-teacher um, and I taught world history. So I taught world history and AP Euro um, and that's kind of where I've kind of been at. I've been teaching that and AP Psych since then. I think, well, uh, I've used the term uh, like, you know, how do you call it? A, you know, a 12 team super flex PPR league. We, you know, it's not standard, but we I always like the term conventional. So we'll say we'll call it as a first year as a conventional teacher, which yeah. is lucky you got your subject like you got you wanted to teach history and, and you're able to get it right off the go. And it sounds like you've had it ever since. So kudos to that. Yeah, it's been good. Like, and, and the cool thing about me, I'm the, I'm the department head now. So like I can, like, I've been able to kind of create thing. We created Avid for the first time in our school, which is uh, first generation college kids. So you, you get them ready to get to college. You go take them on field trips. We took them to a Fresno state game this last year, um, taking them doing those things. So like now that I'm in that position, I'm able to kind of help out in other ways. It's not just teaching about, you know, world history and that kind of stuff. Now it's like, okay, hey, this Avid course is really good for kids to be first generation college kids. And, and, and I'm a first generation college kid. No one else in my family had gone to college or even graduated from it. So it's something that like, I, I really, it, it's a passion to me to get those kids to be like, Hey, you can do it too. Like, Hey, yeah, I grew up without a dad. I was, you know, single income. My mom worked two jobs. Like I get it. And then from that perspective too, like I tell the kids all the time, like you can't bullshit a bullshitter in the classroom. Like I was that kid. I was that, I was that guy. Like I, I was that kid that, uh, I, I was a class clown. I made the excuses like, but I'm still here. And so like, we keep that vibe pretty well together in, in the classroom. And so it's, it's a lot of fun. It's just a lot of, it's been, it, it's been a challenge. Back to the influence of the word influence for, for those <laughs> kids that who had, had not seen their parents go to college, maybe see like sometimes that like even subconsciously that, no, that's not possible. Or I can't do it. And then, you know, giving them the encouragement to, to say, it. and you know, if, you know, if I'm sure you shared your example with them too, of, of knowing yeah. that, uh, you know, just cause my parents didn't go to college, I was able to be incredibly successful and, and, you know, the hard work and dedication of course has to go with it, but sometimes just seeing the path forward can, can help. And, uh, I see someone else has joined us, Brian Ford and uh, a nice message here, teachers of the world unite, because he is a fellow teacher. In fact, a fellow history teacher, history teachers of the world unite. That's uh, going to be our story for tonight. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I love Brian. Yeah. Shout out Brian. Brian's a good guy. Yeah, Brian's a great guy, for sure. Uh, he's had me on the Dynasty Saturday Night Five even just recently, so appreciate Brian for that. Um, and he actually came on the Dynasty Gambit. Uh, our other, my other show I co-host on the Going for Two Live Network will be on on Thursday, by the way. Uh, now, just living in the fantasy football community and world, have you ever, have you noticed any similarities between that and the sphere, say on Twitter, and just your experiences with fantasy football, and anything that compares to your experiences in teaching? I think um, one thing that Joe Bryant, the owner of Football Guys, has kind of talked to me about. He says that like he he feels like I do a good job of essentially teaching people things, maybe complicated things in an easier manner or different learning strategies almost. Cause so like, I, I enjoy kind of going over concepts or dynasty theory in ways that I think kids can understand and people can understand. Cause we all have different learning styles. Um, same thing to like, same thing to how I produce my content. So, you know, I do articles, but I also do video content. And then I also do podcasts. Like, and I think that there's different ways that you can produce it. Now I can't go to TikTok. I'm too old for that crap, but like trying to like, figure out like, okay, what's the best way to do this? And I think, I think also, I think some parallels with teaching is you can't get stuck in the same way of doing things. Like I think teachers will make that mistake. I had teachers in the past, like it's the same worksheet from 14 years ago. They didn't change the date. Like there's things like that. And, and, and it adapts like right now, kids is kids learning for spans is like maybe, maybe 10 minutes, maybe in a classroom. So like we have 50 minutes, like, okay, so am I going to do notes straight for 50 minutes? No. Cause they won't listen to me after 10 probably. So like what I've kind of incorporated in my teaching practices is like 10 minute video, 10 minute discussion, 10 minute notes, 10, like just trying to keep them off guard so that they're always kind of like, Oh, I got to learn this. Same with fantasy content. Like if you're writing, uh, it can't just be the same verbatim, like one line, one line, one line. You got to break up, break up your syntax, understand like, Hey, put some videos in there. Um, older guy, like Sigmund always yells at me because he thinks that like po putting gifts and like Twitter stuff in articles is like, Hey, they don't like that. Well, I'm like, well, the newer, newer people do like the newer kind of consumers of content might the younger people, those type of guys. So like, I try to like think about it that way and just like, how are they going to get this? And I still believe in articles. I still believe in writing, but like video content, I think is good. Um, how to produce it, stuff like that. So I try to just, how do I teach? And then I try to put it in, I'm just going to teach the same thing just different content to different people. So how do I, how do I do this? How do I get to everybody? And like I said at the beginning, like I truly like, I create all my content for, it's like in the classroom. If I can get that one kid that never pays attention or is too cool to like ask a question to ask one question, I win. Like I win that year. Like that's it. I'm done. Like I got you to ask a question. And so to me, fantasy is kind of the same way. It's like, if I can get that one person out there to maybe think a little differently or doesn't know anything about dynasty, but Hey, wouldn't mind trying it. If he doesn't feel too, like uh, it's too daunting. Like that's what I go for. I, there's so many more smarter people than me in the space. And there's so like analytics and all that kind of stuff. Like I will never be that. And I'm okay with that. If I can get the regular folk of fantasy, just to be like, Hey, let's embrace this. Hey, I'm going to learn with you and do that. That's my goal. Of course, the history teacher would appreciate the, like the old school way of consuming fantasy, which I guess is reading over the internet. Like I, I, I guess news <laughs> back to newspapers, but the idea of we're not, you know, videos and, and gifts and TikTok isn't going to necessarily replace what we had, but just altogether augment put as a fantasy football output we are providing and then likewise to teach you that the, the lessons of the past still need to be taught but how do you incorporate a, a new lessons would be new ways of teaching those same lessons 
It's like I tell the kids all the time, because like I don't know, kids are. It's the same question every year, or the same statement. Why do I gotta learn this? I'm never gonna use it. And I laugh because I say, I, I go, I go. It's not about what you learn. It's about how it's. Well, it's not about like the content you learn. So history, okay. It's about being well versed in different subjects and just be well, well, well learned. Like you know things. Like the the most important thing in your life is learning things. And like fantasy is the same way. Like there's always different approaches you can take. Like there's always different areas that you can go with with fantasy. That like I don't I don't. Yeah, I'm sure you're the same way, Kyle. Like I don't draft now like in Dynasty that I did like five years ago. I draft a whole lot different now. Like I I attack drafts in so many different ways. And part of that is because I've adjusted kids the same way like you got to teach them how to adjust and do those things like and it, it it's totally a correlation it's funny you 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 want questions from certain students but that's like one question you know what am i gonna how what am i gonna learn this how am i gonna apply this and the one answer i always give to that is do you know everything in your life that you're gonna do from the now until the moment you die every job you're possibly ever gonna have and then you know yeah. they think well i guess not so then it's how do you know what you're not gonna need and that usually at yeah. least gets them to listen for a bit. It will. I mean, and, and I always tell teachers too, like if a kid asks you that question, you better have an answer. Like uh, to mm -hmm. me, I teach in enlightenment and AP Euro. It's my favorite subject in the world. And I'm always like, hey, your job is to know, dare to know. And I think that's something that we struggle with right now in society. Like we're not daring to know. We're like, we're daring to tell me what to know. It's like, no, that's not what we're supposed to do. Like you got to have that concept of like, I want to know things. And, and so I always tell them that. I say, hey, go question things. Like you should be questioning everybody but once a day and whether or not you agree with it or not question it and say, okay, I want to learn, get, make me smarter. Like, okay, well, what do you see this way? And even if you don't agree, it's okay. Like there's going to be concepts where we don't agree, but it's that idea of like coming together. And I, so that's what I try to teach my classroom. I'm only one guy. So it sucks because I'm like, I wish I could teach everybody this. Um, but I just try to make that difference for the, the, I have 165 kids this year in five classes. So if I can, if I can do that with 165 kids and I can try to like get them to do that, then I, then I feel like I've accomplished something. Show them the, the positives of why they should invest their time learning yeah. this. Yeah. And, and just, and, and I tell them all the time, like time, like I do a big time management thing in my psych class. And I'm like, Hey, look at how much time you spend on your phone today. Think about like all that 11 hours or 10 hours. Like I had somebody had eight hours of like screen time on, on this. I'm like, just think about if you just took 30 minutes and it goes back to, I coach. So my, my, when I used to coach before I had kids, I retired. Uh, they used to always get sick of me saying this, but I said, what is the same? What is the one thing you have in common with everybody else your age? And it has nothing to do with like money or whatever. I said, it's time. How you use that time? How do you utilize it? And it's the same thing with fantasy. Like, think about this. We all know, like, you can be a great creator. You just have to utilize your time the right way. Like don't spend hours on Twitter, spend it in creating something. Like it's the same thing for all of us. There's nothing that makes us remarkably different. We're all pretty close to the same thing. It's just why, well, how do we utilize our time? And like, how do you prioritize it? Actually, it's almost a good transition there. You're saying, you know, we're all kind of similar. We can all recognize a bit <laughs> of ourselves and each other. Got a question from the, uh, from the chat here. And of course, if, uh, if anyone, seeing us on Twitter, perhaps, and can't uh, comment, come to the YouTube page, because uh, we can't see your comments on Twitter. Uh, and we've got going for two Twitch, Facebook Live as well that you can connect with. But yeah, head over to the uh, going for two doc, or YouTube slash going for two live. And yeah, come in. And uh, if you have any questions for Kevin, feel free to ask like Jamie has here. Do any of your students recognize you from fantasy football content? 
Oh gosh, Jamie. Yes, these kids are all over me. Like these kids are like they know I do it and they find my they found my Twitter account. They go on my YouTube channel and like hey, but it's all good. They all hype me up there and they talk about it stuff. And then that's why we started the fantasy uh league this year because they're like, we want to play in a fantasy league with you. And so we we did a fantasy league together and and it's been a lot of fun. But I, I, they don't even know this. Like I I tricked them because the kids that were in that fantasy league like some of them were a little tougher students. Like they didn't want to do the work, but you know what they did? They did the work. Cause I were playing in a fantasy league together. So they're like, well, if Coleman's going to let me play in a fantasy league with them, I better do his work and listen and learn. And like, so one thing to actually just help them do is become better students by just playing in a damn fantasy league with me. Um, and then, and then freaking, I can't believe I lost. I, I lost the championship game because Justin Jefferson had three points. If you would have had six points, I would, I lost by one and a half points and I will never let that. I'll never live that down ever. Shout out to uh, Jeff Lambert, who uh, played I, – I, well, actually, wait, maybe it wasn't this one. I remember it, there was a league I, – I won a final where my opponent had Justin Jefferson. It might have been Jeff in his zombie league. So I, I guess I'm sorry that that happened to you, Kevin, but it helped me. Uh, but, yeah, my next question was going to be, uh, have you ever incorporated fantasy football into a lesson? Obviously, that's a pretty significant one. To, okay, let's do a league within the class. And I noticed that – on Twitter last year when you, when you had posted that. So you, you can uh, get into some of the more specifics of that if you like, but were there any other examples throughout your teaching history of just, you know, small incorporations of fantasy into a lesson? Yeah. You know, I, I talk about um, when we talk about, you know, economics, sometimes I'll, I'll throw in some stuff because really dynasty can sometimes correlate a little bit to like values and stuff like that. Um, the biggest part of me is like, I, I, the biggest thing I did was started the leagues and did that kind of stuff with them and talked about it because it, it fantasy is better. I don't know how you feel. Like I love the home league stuff. Like I, I don't mind online leagues, but I, I do feel like it lacks something. It lacks kind of that, the soul almost of like why fantasy is cool. Like, you know, for me this last year, or even last year or last year too, like, they just would come in at lunch and we just talk. Right. And like have some fun about fantasy. We'd, and we'd have trades and we'd be like, why would you do that? Right. Just like in your normal leagues, but like in this league, it makes it even funner. Cause then, then it's also cool because, you know, we're talking about it in class, like in a class, beginning class, we're joking around with each other. Like, Oh, Coleman, I'm going to beat you. Whatever. And then these other kids are like, wait, what do you guys get to do? Like, Oh, why do you do it? Oh, that's cool. And then, so it just creates this, like the biggest thing for me, like I just finished my master's and my admin credentials. So like at some point I'm going to get into like admin and principal and assistant principal. But the biggest thing that I think of when I get in that role or even like role I'm at now, it's about culture and how you build a, a positive culture in your class. And I think that word has become negative in education because they say, well, have you met, have you developed a relationship with your students? And if you haven't, like, that's not the case all the time. Like sometimes some students, you just don't buy, but if you can create that culture of like, Hey, we're in this together. I'm going to see you every day for 185 days. You might as well get used to my ugly face. Like we're going to, and, and you're going to, we're going to do things sometimes like in fantasy too. Like some things are not going to work out. You're going to have kind of those tough ones. You're going to lose. You're going to do these things. Like that's okay because we're going to kind of bounce back. And I try to relate it as much as I can to those kids and, and give them that because one unifying factor, I will say, especially for boys that struggle is sports is kind of that great equalizer between like teachers and all that. And like, you know, like just knowing people about sports, I can get, I'll never forget this kid. And he's still one of my favorite students I've ever taught. His name is Armando. Um, and he, as a sophomore, he was one of the tougher sophomores I've ever had. But for me and him, we vibed together because he was a Niner fan. I was a Cowboy fan, but we just talked crap to each other. Like we would just say, Hey, Niner, like we, I would talk about the Niners. 
and we developed such a good relationship that this kid had a BMI class when he wasn't passing anybody else's. And like, and then, then he got sent to a continuation school and I said, Hey, you got to come back because you're senior year. So if he does well enough at that continuation school, he'll come back and graduate. And I said, you're going to come back and you're going to come see me and we can continue these arguments when you come back. And I will never forget it. Kyle. He came back his senior year that January and he was, just, and I, I remember seeing him on campus. He just yelled my name. He's like, Coleman. And I saw him and we gave you a hug and like, and it was one of those things where he came back because he just wanted – I think it was one of the years Cowboys suck, which, you know, is not a huge outlier, but they were really bad. And the first thing he said to me when he came back, he's like, man, your Cowboys are bad. And, like, and now we still talk. Like, he's on my Instagram. We still talk about that after he graduated. But – and that helped. Like, he literally – like, this kid, I, I like to think – and he told me, he's like, I really – you know, every day I was at the continuation school, I thought about, like, hey, I got to do kind of well on this so I can go back and see Coleman and just kind of give him crap before and show him that I could do it. And and, and it helps. And I think it, it definitely worked. You ever get that question a lot from just, like, the, the meetings, like you're talking about culture and the relationship. How do you motivate students, right? Like, that question comes up a ton, I bet. It, it, it's – yeah. So, like – and it's hard right now, motivation right now with these kids. Like it's so much worse since COVID hit and it's not an excuse anymore. I hate using COVID, but it's, it's just the reality of what we live in, like motivations that are all time low. And so you have to figure out different ways to do it. And I always, I always stand behind this. The best teachers are not necessarily the ones that know their content the best. Like I know history and I love history, but I also know that like, you know, Jimmy, for example, like he might not like history. But if he's in my class and we have a relationship to where like I wear a giant sweater, he's a Dodger fan. I kind of mess with him. I said, hey, let's do this. Like, I'm going to teach you this. He'll do it because we've created kind of that motivation of like, hey, in here we have a job. But that doesn't mean that we're not going to be like, you know, striving for like better, like in the classroom and stuff like that. It's not like a mess around period. Like we work. My kids will tell you I probably have one of the hardest classes, but they still like they grind with me and we say, hey, let's do this. And we have that kind of just that camaraderie. And it really comes with sports. Like sports to me is a pivotal part of my, of my teaching. Like it's, it's always been, and it's something that you see when you walk in, you have all the sports memorabilia, you have like the college pennants, like that's how my classroom is set up. So when they come in, it's not just like, Hey, shut up. Listen, that's not, that's not their job. Their job is to actually, I tell them all the time, I hate a quiet classroom. Like it bugs me when it's quiet. Like it's weird. Like I want you to talk. I want you to be like on task, but I want you to, this is what this is about. It's not you listening to me. Cause sometimes you guys have better ideas than me. Um, and so that really comes from all of it. It comes from just having that motivation, that culture. And then like, they love it too. When I screw up and I'll admit it, like, I'll be like, yeah, man, that, that lesson was awful. Like my bad. Like I, I, there's times where I'm teaching. I'm like, this is not working. And there's times where I've actually stopped it and said, this isn't working, is it? And they're like, no, Coleman, this, this is, this sucks. And I'm like, okay, what, uh, what can we do to fix this lesson? And then they'll actually take ownership and say, well, why don't you do it like this? And sometimes that's the coolest part of my job is like, oh, they become the teacher almost like, Hey, this would be better. And then I change it. Like, oh, okay, well next year I'll make sure I do it this way. But thank you guys for showing me that. And I think that's all part of the profession. It's the, it's the balance between giving them the options and the choice to kind of help, you know, yeah. it's a classroom shouldn't be a dictatorship. It, you know, there, there should be the, the give and take from both sides and, and the mutual learning, but you also don't necessarily want to bog them down with too many choices. So it's, it's finding that, that middle ground and balance. And uh, yeah, I guess uh, Zach has found his way into the stream. So uh, hi, Zach, uh, thanks for saying stuff, everyone. And uh, yeah, I guess a uh, message from Brian here. Uh, I found being myself and not pretending I'm someone else and being as honest as I can be helps and also not giving into the same school culture they hate. 
I always go back to the quote uh, from Guardians of the Galaxy Rocket because he's my favorite character. He's like, there ain't nothing me but me. Like, there ain't nothing but me. Like, this is who I am. And I, to Brian's point, like, yeah, this is who I am. And I and but I mean, I, and I'm not perfect. There's some kids that we just won't vibe because of the way I kind of I teach. And but it's OK. Like, we still respect each other. Um, but I have found that, yeah, if you're honest with them and say, hey, this is who I am. This is what I, I expect. These are my values. These are the way I want to teach you. Um, most of the time, 97%, you'll, you'll be fine. Uh, and there's always going to be outliers. But honesty and just being yourself is key. Like, that's just the number one thing. Yeah, to, to your credit and Brian's credit, kids are smart enough to know if you're not being genuine. Like it's uh, yes, you know, the, the you know students aren't aren't stupid. Like maybe that that's another thing too is the, you know, the, the they're underestimated so much through the, through the education process. We really should celebrate how intelligent they are. And yeah, maybe the knowledge isn't there, and that's kind of what we're trying to enrich in through classes. But yeah, I think uh, the best teachers enrich in their students to not say you know everything needs to come from me. Like the, the you know the learning process is just as much like the student's responsibility as the teacher. So do it, you know, can we do it together as opposed to working against each other? Yeah. Yeah. No. And that's, that's the thing, just a collectiveness almost like you gotta have that collectiveness. Yeah. And it sounds like you, you've kind of instituted again, the culture of everyone, you know, there's uh, you know, there's no one lower than the other, like the culture of everyone. We're all yeah. equals. We can all coexist together and help each other is, is mm -hmm. it seems like you've, you've put an emphasis on that and i'm sure your students have noticed that you've put the emphasis on that we try i mean every day is a struggle too like i mean there's days where you're like who the hell are you like what happened to my class that like we 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 already went over this like but it's it's one of those things that they're kids i think you hit it on the head though that last statement's super important they know if you're faking it like they they know if you're not genuine like and that and i will honestly say Every one of my students, whether they like me or not, they know I'm me. Like, this is who I am. And, oh, that's Coleman. It is. It's me. It's good. It's just I am a Portuguese guy who has a temper sometimes. I get it from my mother and my grandma. They were super Portuguese. And you know how Portuguese people can get when they get tempers. And I, I definitely – but I tell them, like, hey, that's me. I'm sorry. Like, let's move on. Let's go. And, like, I don't make excuses for my behavior. I just say, hey, yeah, that's me. That's who I am. Let me move forward. I'm sorry. It's okay to do those things. Like, it's okay to make mistakes. That's the biggest thing I tell them, too. It's funny, because I, I, I knew you were Portuguese, so I was going to touch on that. Um, is it, like, you? so you're obviously your maternal side of the family is Portuguese. Is your paternal side as well, or? No, they're um, <laughs> they're Irish. So I have oh. Irish and Portuguese, and and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a mutt for sure. I got a bunch of different uh, areas in there, but my, my grandma, my, so my grandpa, um, on my mom's side. So her dad was full Portuguese. Um, and then my grandma was half, um, and then my mom and so forth. But like, I, they, they are very into that culture still, but my grandma was like a, she was in it. So you, when you th you're thinking of that, but then on the other side, I got Irish, I got all kinds of stuff in it. <laughs> well, yeah. So I'm also half Portuguese, uh, but it meets okay. the opposite. So my, uh, paternal side, but it's even closer. My dad was actually born in Portugal. So I'm first oh. generation on my father's side, uh, first generation Canadian. And then, uh, my mom, uh, that side of the family is interesting because my, I don't know if you know, uh, I guess you know history enough, you'd know uh, Quebec and Ontario and like the, you know, mm -hmm. the French language uh, in importance in Canada. My yeah. grandfather's a Francophone from Ontario, the Toronto area, and my grandmother's an Anglophone from Quebec. So, oh, okay. I'm weird. And that's part of where <laughs> that comes from. I'm just generally weird anyway. But yeah, so, uh, 
Before we get too weird, though, I do want to uh, drop this ad, our uh, sponsor. I'll say the word sponsor, sponsor as many times to help that. Dan, I know he loves saying our sponsor, Underdog. Uh, and uh, if you use the promo code GF2, like on the hat, like on the shirt, uh, G, capital G, capital F, digit number two. Uh, use that promo code when joining Underdog, and you can get a deposit match up to $100. So if you put in $100, they will double that for you on deposit. But you have to use the promo code GF2. So sign up for Underdog today. Uh, Kevin was referencing basketball playoffs earlier. We're not quite there yet, but still tons of basketball regular season games, hockey regular season games. I mean, I don't know if Underdog has curling stuff for the Scotties this week, uh, <laughs> turn of hearts. But uh, if they do... Um, Go team McCarville, Northern Ontario. Let's go. <laughs> uh, but I guess back to the, I guess, Portuguese question. Uh, so you mentioned your grandmother, or sorry, your grandmother was half Portuguese. So yes. she was born in America. Where, do you know kind of around where in Portugal your, uh, your, uh, your great-grandmother was? Uh, Azores. So she was born in the Azores in somewhere um, for the Azores. And in like, they weren't a hundred percent sure. It's one of those things where um, the, you know how the history gets passed down. It's kind of shaky, uh, but the Azores is where, where they're from. I can't wait. I, I, I think we're going, me and my wife are going to the Azores in a couple of years. I think we're going to plan it. So I'm excited to go back. And for those who don't know, could you uh, explain that the Azores and how it relates to Portugal? Yeah, so the Azores is just a, it's basically a bunch of little volcanic islands in the macro area, like in the Atlantic. And so it's essentially kind of, it's what's one of those little areas outside of Portugal and its own islands. It's kind of has its own little culture too. Um, and it's, it's beautiful. Like if you're, if you're looking at the Azores, you're talking about basically nine islands out there. It's a beautiful area, um, different little bit of a culture. And I, I think it's the best place to visit. Yeah, well, I've been told. I, I've only been to a couple places. I haven't been to the Azores yet, but they, they always talk to me about the Azores being kind of that area of your, it's kind of like a bucket list item. If you're going to go there, you go there, um, maybe Santa Maria, those other places. And yeah, that, to, to reference, like just for the geographical reference, that's more uh, southwest like, corner yeah. of Portugal into the Atlantic. And maybe do any of them enter the Mediterranean technically? Uh, I think so. I believe they do. Uh, I, I should know. I taught geography. See, I, I thought so too, but I wasn't spot. sure either. So put me on a spot. <laughs> but, well, both of us need to research it a little better, I guess. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, my, and my family is more from the north. That's why I'm really not familiar with that side. Uh, I actually went and visited uh, when my grandparents did, still own the a farm uh, in northern Portugal, okay. and it's pretty close to the Spanish border, so. Uh, but yeah, I think, uh, yeah, we've uh, checked through all the teaching questions and uh, the, the bonus Portuguese questions. Uh, I guess this is more of a, a general question for you. And it can, you can relate to someone in the teaching profession. It can relate outside of that, too. But who are the biggest influences in your life? Yeah, so uh, I put down three kind of big ones. Um, for me, I had a teacher uh, in sixth grade. His name is Mr. Woods. It's probably someone that like probably actually guided me into teaching as well. Uh, he was my sixth grade teacher. He was the first teacher to really like kind of, like I didn't have a dad growing up. So, and up until that point, elementary school doesn't have a lot of male teachers. He's like actually my first kind of male teacher of like, um, actually, yeah, I'm thinking about it. Yeah, he's probably my first male teacher I had in, in any, any type of schooling. And so he kind of was that first, I wouldn't say father figure, but he definitely was someone that looked out for me a little bit. And uh, we just connected. Uh, and he was actually one of the first people to be like, can you see the board? And I'm like, no, I can't see the board because I was in the back and I'd have to ask like, but yeah, I, I didn't have good. I had no, I, had, I didn't know I needed glasses. And so we grew up super poor. Like I said, like me and my mom and, and it was, it wasn't her fault. It was just, 
eye doctors are expensive with no insurance. And it was one of those things where you just don't do it. And so he was the first person to say, Hey, I think you need glasses. And he talked to my mom and, and we talked about it. And like, without him, like I could have gone a couple more years and like people thought I had like a learning disability and it wasn't that I just couldn't see the board. Like I actually tested high and they'd always didn't understand why I wasn't doing well in school. And it was because I couldn't see. And Mr. Woods kind of, he found that out. He's like, Oh yeah, you have some problem. You have, you have eyesight problem. Like, Oh yeah, I need glasses. So, um, so he, to me, was kind of that first father figure. Um, my mom, number one to me as a, as, as a single mom, she did really everything for me in terms of like raising me two jobs was at every game. So I played four sports in high school. I played golf, uh, baseball, basketball, and football. And she never missed one game, even though she worked two jobs. That woman was at every game in the same spot. I'd see her. Uh, she worked graveyard. So she'd literally come watch me play and then drive to uh, her job to do that. And so she was a big influence on me. And then from a professional standpoint, uh, I would say Joe Bryant from Football Guys, he, uh, especially in this space, uh, he, you know, he hired me about a year ago, almost a year ago. And ever since then, to me, Joe has been, Joe, if you never met Joe, Joe is the type of guy that you want to work for, especially in fantasy. He's just those, the guy that like, uh, he, he gives you advice. He's willing to tell you kind of like, Hey, this isn't how I would do it. Uh, he's a good dude. He's a family guy. He's a Christian. He's just everything that you're like, Hey, if I was going to work in the space, I would love to work for someone like Joe Bryant. And to me, he fits that. So for, from a professional standpoint in this, in this space, I wanted to make sure I mentioned Joe because of how much he means to me. Um, just as a, as a content creator. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I've gotten influence from doing the show, like a few, there's been a few, I'm well, not the first fans football interview one-on-one podcast. I mean, football guys has Sigmund Bloom. That's probably the gold standard for that. Uh, Sam Holt had the one-on-one with Sam, uh, Casey Kasem in her get real podcast. And she actually had Joe Bryan on for an episode. I, I recommend people check out all of Casey's episode, but certainly that one, uh, Joe's story is, is quite amazing. And, uh, everything he did to, you know, create and, and make football guys what it is today and uh, how much he gives back and cares about the community uh, is super apparent. Yeah. He he's um he's a special guy. Like I, uh, Joe is uh, I've never quite met someone like Joe, especially Kyle has been in the space long enough. Like you, sometimes you work for people and companies and they don't know your name. Like they just, Oh, Hey, this is your content. And this is where it is. And going for two is not like that. Cause Jeff is a super sweet guy. And like, he's, he's, you yeah. can check that out to us tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Lambert is, you know, I don't talk to Jeff a lot. Um, we never really have crossed paths, but I know that he's a good person. And so like, he's one of those other guys, like if you're going to work for someone in the space, Jeff's a perfect guy to do that because he, he cares about you as like a person first. And like, I think Joe, he he's the same way. Like, Hey buddy, how are you doing? Like, he doesn't ever ask me about fantasy content, like, unless we have to talk about it. But other than that, it's like, Hey, how is your fit? How is your kids? Like, and they, he remembers the names and he remembers like little things like that, that you're like, dude, I'm just some random guy on the internet you hired. Like, but he's still like, he goes out of his way to help you. And, and you can't say enough about that kind of person. Yeah, for sure. It's always great. And it makes us feel good and, and happy to, to be, uh, you know, appreciated by pe- the people we're working for. Yeah. 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 And that's, and that's hard because it's, this is a super, this industry is not, appreciative very much like there's a lot of like negative in the industry so if you find people like that you stick with them because that's that's what loyalty is for yeah being happy that's that's all that's always so important and yeah. i know our, our hobbies and the things we do outside of you know for us it's sports and content creation and teaching uh, those hobbies can help and you mentioned psychology classes and the, and the balance and the things you have to do to kind of you know get your mental state mm-hmm. up to be able to whether it's work or learn or, or both 
Uh, so what are some of your favorite hobbies outside of the sports realm? Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't have any hobbies right now after I wrote the rookie guide and the, <laughs> I'm working on the manifesto. But if I'm not doing like fantasy content, um, my kids, number one, just hanging out and, you know, just like tomorrow they start softball for the first time. They're going to play on the same team. And like um, I try to spend as much time as I can there. Uh, golf when I can. Like I enjoy golf a lot. It's just I, I've golfed a lot more before I had children. It's a lot harder to go out and golf for six hours with kids at home and the wife, like, what the hell are you doing? Um, and so like, you know, kids golf video games. I will, I, I don't have a, I don't do it as much as I used to when I was a kid, but like, I just bought like the Harry Potter game. Um, my kids are starting to get to that age crowd where like they could play with me. So I'm kind of parlaying it now into like, Hey babe, I'm hanging out with the kids. And so like we played, um, uh, my older daughter and me and my youngest is four. So she's kind of borderline, but my oldest is five and a half. And we play gardens of the galaxy, the game, which is actually really good. I wasn't expecting it to be good, but they love guardians. So I was like, yeah, let's get it. And, like we played the whole thing together and they were so excited every day. Like, Hey, can we play video games? I'm like, yeah, you asked, let's do it. So like um, <laughs> video games for sure. Golf kids. And, and I like reading. Um, I, 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 I'm reading a book. Uh, we're going to talk about books here, but I, it, it's, it's different books, auto audible books. Like I don't consume a lot of content from fantasy perspective, like in the space, I kind of just do my own thing. Cause I don't like to steal narratives and steal takes and those type of things. So like I spend my time reading a lot of books and audible books and stuff like that. So those, those are kind of what fills my life right now as a 34 year old middle age man. I'm thinking back and, you know, maybe, maybe it's, I don't know. It sounds like your wife doesn't golf, but I know for both my parents really love golf. And I think the reason they pushed me and my sister to golf so much is that they, they could just spend more time golfing. Like I'm, I'm starting <laughs> yeah. to realize that now that's why they did that. Huh. My, my daughter will, um, it's so funny. Cause like my daughter will, she's starting to get in that. She's six, six ish. She's going to turn six here pretty soon. And I'm always like, she's like, can I go golf with you, daddy? And I'm like, yeah, if you want to, like, and we'll get out there. And then she lasts like, two like you know four holes and then i'm like all right here's some candy she has another couple holes and then like by the ninth hole it's like all right we'll go home but like it's fun like you you know as kids you just want them to have fun and do these things like if i can do it but golf's just it's hot out here in california so yeah i was gonna say they just had the pga uh, event this weekend in california right in la so uh, <clears throat> yeah uh, clearly it's a uh, they won't be having the, the Canadian Open in January and February. That's no, for sure. no, a little cold, a little colder in those areas. You might lose your ball in the snow <laughs> and also the green. <laughs> uh, so I guess you've shared a lot. Uh, you're teaching history and, and things about your family. Uh, so your hobbies. But is there anything that the fantasy community doesn't know that you're giving us the exclusive today on? Um, not you're too like... genuine and open book, right? That's that's, that's um... difficult. Not from like any, uh, anything from that, uh, mindset in terms of like the only weird thing that's ever really happened to me that people use are like, no way is like when I lived in Alaska, when I was seven years old, I actually got ran over by a bear and, um, I got like 50 yards. So it carried me 50 yards and then let me go. Um, we were at, we were at a, basically a, a national, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of the, have you ever heard of the bear guy that got eaten alive? I don't know if you've ever heard of that guy, um, in Alaska. Uh, he was kind of famous for a little while. Uh, that's the spot where we at. Cause my dad was a, my dad, but before he left before, like, I didn't have a dad when I was younger, he worked there as a guide. And so he actually would guide, guide people out. And so we were walking down a trail and my dad was had a guide for a bunch of people from Switzerland and they were yelling. 
um, that something was coming. And I, and all I remember I was holding my dad's hand and it was like a small trail, but I was the only one that was, there's two people and this mama bear was running away from a big bear trying to get her cub. And she just hit me in the back and it threw me for 50 yards. My mom started chasing it. I don't know what the hell she was going to do, but she started chasing the bear to get me. And so like a seven year old, and then it just let me go. And all I remember from it, all it did was it actually knocked my shoe off. And, uh, they, they gave me a little pin. I still have it, um, somewhere in storage and I survived a bear attack. So that's, that's pretty much the only thing that maybe people don't know. Smelt you and like, you're not my kid. Get away. Yeah. Just drop me just straight up. Just drop me. And then like, and then I just remember I was super sore after that, but that was about it. Well, yeah, I was saying you you look pretty fine for someone who was attacked by a bear. So (laughs) I'm glad we're glad to have you, Kevin. Yeah, no, it's a good story though. It was, it's always, it's always a good story. And I have the pen and that newspaper clipping. So like when people like try to tell me that, oh, you're lying. Like, nope, I was me. Like that, that, that's me. I did it. And they, they they always laugh. They can't believe that actually happened. Yeah. It's all, and it's almost like the the shock of it. Like you almost couldn't even react. It happened so quickly, probably. Right. Oh yeah. I didn't know what happened. Like I didn't even know what happened until like, even when I was gone and yeah. yeah like my mom grabbed me like i just thought i got thrown like i thought someone threw me on the ground i didn't even know like it was a bear like it was just so quick i, I still have like a, a memory of like walking and then like i have a memory of like my mom grabbing me but that was it like i don't have any of the memory of like getting hit and i just have the memory the next day waking up in the in the hotel room so sore that i could not move like i just and we just stayed in the hotel room i got to watch cartoons all day and after that yeah that's the only memory i have it's weird because it's almost maybe it would have been worse for you not to get macabre and, and dark here, but if like, if you had kind of been panicking and freaking out, like yeah, the bear would have been a yeah. bit more violent and freaked out. So the fact that you like almost were unaware might've been the best that it <laughs> happened just so quickly. hundred percent. It was a hundred percent better that way. So that like, I, it didn't, it didn't affect me in any way. Yeah. Well, perfect. Glad, glad to hear that. And we'll, we'll get to the, the funner topic. Uh, we'll talk fantasy <laughs> now. And, uh, yeah, talk about preferences. So what is your prefer- preferred league format? Although, again, knowing you're on the Devi Royale and the football guys college football, uh, <laughs> I have a feeling, I think I know where this answer is going to be, but uh, feel free to share. No, you're going to be surprised. Like, I actually don't think my preferred uh, format is Devi or college fantasy. It's definitely not college fantasy. Um like it, like campus can they like to call it or college or whatever you want to call it there like i actually don't like that as much i don't mind like i enjoy college football but like it's so like there's so many players and it's so hard to kind of keep track of some guys like i get why to me like I, I like playing in those leagues but i'm not preferred my preferred actually like uh league format is a 16 team um super flex four point passing touchdown tight end premium so 1.5 tight end premium. So heavy tight end premium and super flex for 16 teams, because I think that creates the coolest roster building possible with the quarterback position being so like insane with how it's kind of built. Um, I absolutely love that format. And I, I played in a league like that for five years. It folded this year, but it was one of the, like my favorite, my favorite leagues to play in just because, you know, it's so interesting. You can either go heavy tight end or you have to grab that, that quarterback. And because it's four point passing touchdowns, they're not weighted as heavy, even though in 16 team, they are like, I, I, I love leagues that make you kind of think about roster construction and how to build a roster and 12 team leagues. To me, it's kind of eh, like it, it, you can kind of get away with it. Roster construction is still there, but 16 team is a lot of fun. All right. Awesome. So yeah, focus on, on the, the total number of teams, get, get more people involved, right? You're a people yep. person. Let's get everyone involved. 
just more teams. I think more teams leads to more trades too, like and like more activity and stuff like that. I will say the only downfall to a 16 team league is you have a lot more turnover. And like highly, highly recommend making them pay for like their um the dues if they trade first, obviously, in the next year, especially in a 16 team league, because it's so hard to fill orphans in those type of leagues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a kind of a good uh that's one rule that you should have in every league, right? But that is the yes. nice question. Uh, so I don't know if you want to have that as your answer, but pay, you know, if you spend a, you know, and I mean, I know in some leagues it might be extreme. Like you spend a future fourth, you got to pay for that year, but at the very least a future first paying that year in advance. And that way, again, helping with the orphans. If someone does have to take over, okay, well you don't have to pay a league due this year if you don't have a pick. So yeah, there's something so, else though that you'd like to add. Sorry. So I would say like, um, if you're going to do that, like the pay thing, I think one thing you could do is like a percentage based on the draft pick. So like first it's a hundred fifty percent for seconds uh, and so forth. Like have it like that. I think, I think part of that is like something you could do. No, the rule that I think every league should have is league median scoring. So mm-hmm. you basically will play against whoever you play against. So you and me are playing and you score 190. I score 185. We're the two highest scores why should I get a loss? Like, that's not fair. Like I should at least get something. And so league median, what it does, it takes the median scoring from everybody in the league. And if you score higher than that, you get a win. So like you'd get two wins, I'd get one and one. And I think one thing it does is balances out those, those, um, those teams. And like, if you have a good team, you just go up against the highest one. And that's one of the worst losses ever. And some people think it's part of fantasy, which fine. If like, that's what you want to do, like, that's fine. Um, But I really think that median scoring is, should be implemented in every single league out there. Because if you go to your league scoring like points for points against, there's probably a good chance, maybe even more so than like what the points for score, but the points against, you're very likely going to see their top teams with the fewest points against and the lowest teams with the most points against. So almost regardless of where the points for are are just dis- dis- distributed. So yeah, uh, it's a good point with the median scoring. Apparently, Brian, a 16 teamer, gives him anxiety. So uh, that's it's <laughs> a little extreme for some people, but uh, this is Kevin's episode. So. Uh, Kevin, your next, uh, I guess, next four uh, preferences here. So all-time fantasy players at each position, QB1, RB1, wide receiver one, and tight end one. So we're just I, I, so we're just picking guys that we like that were QB1s or like, how, how, how do you want me to answer this? Because I was, I was kind of like confused. Yeah, so usually I'd say like the guest gets their way. So however you want to answer it, whatever you find easier, if it's based purely on points or just whatever you you know, favored players. Like you can go either way. If you want to answer both too, that that's perfectly fine. I just went straight into like, so this is how I did. I just went straight into like, these dudes are awesome to watch the position. I loved having them on my fantasy team. So I put, um, yeah. I'm old enough to say, I put Michael Vick on my roster here. Like if in high school, like Michael Vick at QB one, um, he's a cheat code. And could you imagine him now in Konami code? Like these, like, I would just, I would just love to watch Michael Vick present day, like in the league right now. Um, LaDainian Thomason was one of the greatest running backs I've ever watched play in fantasy perspective. That dude was throwing touchdown passes, catching PPR, everything there. So for me, he's running back one. I put Antonio Brown as my wide receiver one because people forget how good Antonio Brown was in Pittsburgh for those four years in fantasy. I mean, he was dominant. And before, obviously, Antonio Brown, we've seen the last couple of years. Um, he was dominant in Pittsburgh and then Travis Kelsey. I'll put him a tight end one. I got it. I almost went Antonio Gates, but I didn't want to feel so old. So I went, I went Travis Kelsey here. You can't have two chargers as your answer after yeah. all. You, you, people think you're biased for your California. 
<laughs> yeah, that's that's fair. Like I, I was like, nah, I can't. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go off the board a little bit, and I uh, not off the board, but off there. I, I like Kelsey there. I think he's just dominant, man. Like when you just watch him, I could have put Gronk up there too, but mm-hmm. just for longevity and and what he was able to do. Zach's mentioning Julio, and yeah, like Julio and Antonio yeah. at that, like the mid. Uh, 2010s that they were just so dominant i believe antonio brown was the number one wide receiver three straight years from 2014 to 2016 and i think jerry rice was the last person to do something like that so it's uh yeah special yeah i can definitely uh, understand my first ever fantasy championship uh, antonio was my wide receiver one and i believe it was 2014 so you know I, I, i he had a great 2013 if i remember but he wasn't the wide receiver one so i think he was still like a third round pick and you know, when your third round pick ends up being the wide receiver one overall, I guess people saw that maybe with Cooper Cup uh, in 2021. But yeah, that that can be uh, quite the quite the uh, way to elevate your team. So yeah, I love the uh, Antonio yeah. Brown pick as much as we may not love his antics at the end of his career. And uh, Jamie mentioning Tomlin. Oh, hey, a similar story. Uh, Tomlinson was my first ever draft pick back in twenty in two thousand four and won him the league. So again, uh, yeah, we're both being with your players. They, they're clearly, uh, I'm sure. I'm sure Antonio Brown and uh, Tomlinson help you win leagues too, Kevin. Yeah, Tomlinson helped me win a few. I had Thomas a lot, um, and I, I love watching him. Antonio as well. Uh, one of my first leagues uh, in that home league I was talking about earlier with my brother, I, I won a league with with Antonio Brown. I'll never forget that team. That team was stacked. I, I, I only lost one game that year. You know how you remember those, like those fun leagues that you play? And you're like, oh, yeah, I whooped all your guys' butts. Uh, I had Antonio Brown on that roster. I was going to say the zombie league this year, I went 11 and one before the the playoffs. And then there's like a bit of like a, almost like a, everyone made the first round of the playoffs, but two teams were eliminated every week. And then that real playoff started after. And yeah, I didn't uh, obviously didn't get eliminated and then won all my playoff games. went 11 and one in the regular season. So that's probably the closest I've come to a perfect season. No, probably yeah. definitely is. So thanks Jeff again for organizing the zombie leagues. Uh, I like winning, <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, High five for us winners, and we're going to get to our high five section. So top five categories, uh, you're a top five in five different categories. And uh, well, you already referenced books, so I know that was second on the list, but did you want to get to that first? Because uh, you mentioned uh, talking about the books. I don't know if you want to yeah. to pull an audible. And Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah we can go to books. Um, I, I try to be all over the all over the place a little bit um, in terms of this, but like my books like that I've kind of read recently, I... This is one of my favorite books I've read probably in the last five, 10 years. I came as a shadow and it's a John Thompson autobiography. He used to be the college coach to Georgetown. Um, it's a fantastic book. Uh, it talks about life coaching. Uh, it talks about like Alan Iverson when he coached him, Patrick Ewing, how he did it. And it also goes to kind of the racial struggles uh, that he, that he faced going to like a private school, uh, big East basketball, Bayheim. Like it's, if you're a basketball fan and if you're just like a fan of like college basketball in general or a coach, like I came as a shadow is a book that I, I can't, um, recommend enough uh for everybody out there then another book uh i'll just i'm gonna go through my five um so happiness hypothesis is something i'm reading with my class so we have a book club um for extra credit for my ap psych class and it talks about like how to be happy and so it kind of breaks down like what kids should do and how adults should do it so it's called the happiness hypothesis um third one is a football book it's better to be feared the new england patriots dynasty and the pursuit of greatness and i also read the belichick book so i just combined them um i'm fascinated by coaches and like that kind of coach and belichick and everything there like i'm fascinated how they kind of build dynasties and stuff it's a really great book it's like 600 700 pages though so you know, if you, if you had to have some time there, but I read it during COVID, I thought it was, it was great. Um, 
Bill Simmons, the book of basketball. So as a basketball coach, Bill Simmons, it was kind of the holy grail basketball, probably, oh man, probably 10, 12 years ago now. Um, but I know he's added some things there. Um, and then uh, Shoe Dog. And I don't know if you know it this way. It's a memoir of the Nike, the creator of Nike. So Phil Knight. And it goes through kind of how Nike got started. They turned it into a book or a movie. The movie's coming out if you watch the Super Bowl. You saw the previews for it. Uh, but Shoe Dog is a great book. Is that why you wore the sweater with the Nike swish on it? Just just to <laughs> reference that for the... Just because I'm cold. It's cold in my house. It's just, it's just you know. Tony, the guy in California is wearing the sweater. The dude in Canada is wearing a t-shirt. I do have the heat <laughs> on, to be fair, but yeah. Uh, before we get to the continue the high five, just from your earlier talk with the 16 teams, uh, Zach Linton mentioning he's in the uh, Dynasty Trades HQ uh, one league, and that's the only 16 team they've done. I know they've talked about it on the pod how okay, we're never doing that again, that's too ridiculous. So every <laughs> iteration of HQ since has been a little less. I'm in HQ two, and that one's just 14, but still, the 14 team suplex, I can tell like that scarcity gets pushed higher than your average league. So you imagine in 16 teams, it's even uh, more to the extreme. Yeah, it can be extreme. It's 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 insane. All right, so uh, we'll go with uh, top five artists or bands is the next topic. I'm gonna disappoint a lot of people here because I am not really like a music connoisseur. So just everybody out there, just know like I'm a podcast guy. Um, my my top five Red Hot Chili Peppers. I'm, I'm, I am a big fan of that. My daughters love the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, with me, like they'll but we'll make breakfast in the morning. We'll listen to it. Uh, Outcast. I'm a very like I love Outcast. I think they're one of my favorite. You know, I guess you call them a band. Um, together, just a group. Um, I and I love country music. So like Luke Bryan, Tim McGraw, to me, like you know, just growing up, those are the guys. And then I all my kids know this. I have. Taylor Swift is my girl, Kyle. I love Taylor Swift. So like all this Taylor Swift hate that I see on Twitter and all these places, it grinds me to my core. Like I, that's my girl, Taylor Swift. We're same age. We are, we grew up together. That's how I say it. My kids love it. My daughter, my younger daughters love it now. Like I am a big Taylor. I'm a Swifty and I am not afraid to admit that. So you were 22 and 22 came out. Yes, I was. Did it come out when you were 22? <laughs> it came out whenever it was. I was whatever that age. Like when he, she came out with like all that. Me and her, we're we're literally right there together. Oh, awesome. Bonded. That's great. Uh, it's funny because my wife and I, again, long weekend, we went visiting my parents. So uh, road trip this weekend, we listened to Red by Taylor Swift on the way down. And then we on the way back, it's a double album. So we listened to both discs of Stadium Arcadium by Red Hot Chili yeah. Peppers. So that's, uh, that's a great call outs for both of them. Yeah, I love those. I, I, Red Hot Chili Peppers is one of those ones that like, you just turn on whenever. You know what I mean? Like they have different genres, different music for whatever mood you're in. Um, and, and that's definitely one of my favorites. And just like a huge volume of albums and songs. Yeah. Like, and it just yeah. keeps growing and keeps growing. They keep going. And uh, I haven't read Flea's memoir. I have read Anthony Kiedis's memoir, Scar Tissue. But uh, Zach mm -hmm. uh, here in the comment mentioning uh, Flea's memoir, Acid for the Children, is pretty good. So <laughs> I'd imagine yeah. a lot of similar stories to Scar Tissue, but maybe you know different perspective. And that's that's great. I love Flea. Love Anthony. Love them all. Uh, I I guess are you more of a movie guy? <laughs> I guess that'll be the next one. To I do love movies. movies, and and to be fair, I don't think anyone's disappointed by your artist and man's answered. So that was uh, that was great. <laughs> um, yeah, no, for movies, for me, uh, if you've never seen The Prestige, I love The Prestige. Uh, it's Christian Christian Bale is one of my favorite actors. So like anything with Christian Bale, I'm all aboard um, on that. Um, Inception as well. Inception was one of those movies that I saw in the theaters that like blew my mind. You know how you go to the movies sometimes, and you're like, and, and before like. 
we're I'm older. So like you didn't really have the social media buzz and stuff like that. So when I went and went saw Inception, I had no idea what to expect of it. Like I just went and watched it. And before we had kids, me and my wife used to go to the movies all the time. And that was one of our favorites, like just watching it um, in the movie theater. Uh, and then like uh, Apollo 13, I really like Tom Hanks as well. But Apollo 13 is one of those movies that I can watch. It's on, I feel like it's on TBS all the time. Like I just turn it on and it's like, it's there, there in Shawshank, those, those two. Um, and then football wise, remember the Titans is my all time favorite um, NFL or not, excuse me, just football move me and then friday night lights i love friday night lights the movie um i love the tv show too but the movie um those are probably my top five there's so many i'm a i'm a movie guy like me and my wife there was times where we'd go sneak into movie theaters watch like five in a day like we that's before before kids now the kids are here i'm i don't get to do as much but those those things are great and then top gun the new one um maverick the top gun 2 i thought that was a fantastic movie that could easily be in here too Awesome. Yeah. And it's funny, you know, we're ending with sports and I guess uh, the next, uh, cause you know, if you're going to watch sports for a three hour game, you're going to want to eat, you need sustenance. So what are your top five game day foods? So chips and salsa, baby. One one. Like, I don't care what anybody says. Give me the chips and salsa mild though. Cause I'm, I can't, my stomach can't handle that. <laughs> really? The Portuguese else. and you can't handle the spice. Interesting. Uh, I have a bad stomach. I got stomach issues. Unfortunately I passed down to my daughters, but like uh, right. chips and salsa one one. no way. Um, and then wings to me, like any type of wings, I don't care if it's boneless or not. You can call it a nugget. I don't care. Like, give me wings. I like bone in bone out. Like I will eat all of that. Uh, and ranch blue cheese. I like it all. There's no like difference to me there. Pizza too. Like for me, like, um, just give me some pizza. I don't, I can eat little Caesars. I'm not a pizza snob. Like I will eat whatever. Uh, and then like the two special ones that like, sometimes my wife will make us cheesy meatball sliders on Hawaiian, uh, the Hawaiian bread, like the little, like, um, areas there like that's really good she makes it kind of special and then buffalo chicken egg rolls so i actually think like that's a that's a slept on game day food my wife makes buffalo chicken egg rolls i love egg rolls i love buffalo chicken you put those things together i can smash those all day awesome and uh we're gonna stick with the sports theme here again for this last one and again knowing football guys college football program and the the, the devi manifesto that <laughs> monster of, of a product we'll say it's 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 massive what you guys do there um clearly you you know you have a big interest in college football and maybe it may not be your favorite fantasy format still seems like you enjoy it more for the just watching in the aspect of college for the sport itself and maybe even less for the fantasy you you have enough insight that you provide everyone else that's great but seems like you really enjoy college sports i hope so anyway because that's why i made this uh this uh question for you is a top five college favorite college athletes of all time yeah, I, I love the. I'll give me sports all day. Like that's 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 where it's at. Like uh, I I don't. College to me is a passion. Um, Reggie Bush, number one. Uh, give the man his Heisman back. Like it's ridiculous. He doesn't have his Heisman. Uh, all time favorite athlete. Texas versus um, USC. Best game I've ever seen ever in my life. Uh, the national title game. So Vince Young's on this list as well. So um, Reggie and Vince. Uh, I'm a I'm a Michigan fan, but I was that year I was transplanted into the Vince Young fan. Like I was really rooting for him. I bought a Texas sweater, like all these different things. And being in California, I purposely was going against USC because all my friends are USC fans. So, like I was a big Vince guy. Um, and then uh, kind of Calvin Johnson in college. I know he was a I know he was legit in the NFL. That dude was a monster in college football. Like Calvin was one of those dudes that you're just watching, like this guy's on a different level. Cam Newton for the year that he played at Auburn, special, a lot of fun to watch for me. And then I, I I put Tim Tebow on here, and I know he gets a lot of shit and other folks, <laughs> but 
Tim in college is a lot of fun to watch. Like you saw him play his freshman year when he kind of, he won the national title. Um, he's back up. They kind of use him in special packages like the Wildcat. Then his junior year, obviously he won it. Um, but like, he was just a special, special player, kind of that leader guy. And I loved watching Tim Tebow play in college. I just looked up Calvin Johnson's college stats real quick, just because I was curious. His senior season is nuts at Georgia Tech. 76 yeah. catches for 1,202 yards and 15 touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was um, – Calvin was one of those guys when you are like when you were watching – and he didn't play with very good quarterbacks. So um, I'm trying <laughs> just to like in the NFL. Uh, I'm, I'm Sorry, trying Matthew to think Stafford. of – uh, what was the guy's name? Now it's gonna it's gonna piss me off. But there's a quarterback who I used to always laugh about because um literally he would just throw it up to Calvin and like that was like their one play and he well, never left. Like he, he was in um no because I remember he, he was awful in the CFL. I remember him playing in the CFL, he just sucked. So <laughs> every quarterback could, like, in Georgia there was no chance he was even going to the NFL, but it looks like that's who his call his quarterback was on uh, okay his senior season, I think, or no, I get, Oh, never mind. I'm, I'm looking at the wrong thing. It's his senior year. Whoever Troy, Troy Smith went to Ohio state. You can hold Reggie, that over death. Reggie ball, Reggie ball. That's who it is. So I just looked it up. Reggie ball was the worst college quarterback I've ever seen. And he, that dude, Calvin made him look pretty good. So like, that's all you need to know about Calvin Johnson. All right. Yeah. Uh, I never heard of Reggie ball. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of people <laughs> haven't heard of Troy Smith. Who's yeah. He's a Heisman winner and he, he can't even, you know, clearly never even had a chance. The NFL couldn't even really make it that well in the CFL. But I, yeah, I remember him watching him in the CFL. Yeah, it was not very good. But that's that is not who we're talking about at all. We're talking about the good college athletes like Calvin Johnson, apparently, who, yeah, great, great college group. But thanks for all that insight, Kevin. It's uh, I thought this was a perfect way to kick off uh, the third season here of press coverage. So appreciate you very much for coming on. Yeah, man, I appreciate you for having me. Uh, Jamie wants to know the uh, the cheesy meatball slider recipe. So I guess, Jamie, the one thing you could do is maybe DM Kevin on Twitter at Bois underscore 22, and that's where everyone else can reach Kevin. But uh, if you uh, feel free to let us know about all of the great work you're doing, Kevin. Yeah, you know, if you uh, are in the dynasty, uh, the thing I'd be – you know, I want to plug is the rookie guide that we did. So it's a 1.0 version, 120 player profiles already. Um, and it's legitimate. It's something that we worked on for six weeks, a lot of time, effort and blood and sweat winning that thing. Um, and if you like Debbie or college football, we do have a Patreon It's only three bucks a month. Uh, we do all kinds of different content on there. Weekly only podcast, um, rankings for Debbie and dynasty. And we, we create something called the manifesto and last year we did it. And this year we, we are, it's going to be released in about, I would say, I don't know, depend like about a week ish. Uh, once we get on through the final edits and essentially we go through every power five conference, we do a depth chart, we do player breakdowns, we do rankings, uh, we do mock drafts, everything in this giant manifesto, kind of like that. And it's, uh, the first edition, which is going to be released in the next two weeks, going to have 250 pages of content. Um, so that's three bucks a month. So I would go check it out if you enjoy that stuff. If not, no worries. Um, but if you're in the dynasty, the rookie guide is something that you should definitely take a look at. Yeah, absolutely. That, thank you again. Thank you so much, Kevin. Uh, Debbie Royale started here and going for two live. And again, seeing you guys grow and be part of football guys is uh, just uh, truly, uh, you know, I appreciate the, the humble beginnings you had here on our, on our network, but also the success you guys have had. It's well-deserved and all three of you are great. You, you Christian and Jeff and uh, for anyone who remembers, did have Christian on last season. So I'd also encourage people to go back in the going for two live archives on YouTube and check that out. I think that would have been May or June of last year. So uh, the, the archives go back quite, quite far. You'll definitely be able to find that. Uh, but uh, yes, uh, on behalf of Kevin, I'm Kyle Senna on Twitter at Senna Says. 
Uh, I guess before going out, we'll, we'll plug the sponsors one last time. Use the promo code GF2 on Underdog if you want to get that uh, deposit match up to $100. I know, uh, like uh, Dan the B League says, Ryan, Sear Foss, a bunch of going for two people are doing uh, best fall drafts recently if you've seen them on Twitter. So if you uh, haven't uh, had uh, yet joined Underdog, uh, now's your great chance and use the promo code GF2 and uh, they'll uh, double whatever deposit you put in up to $100. Uh, but yes, uh, Kevin, any uh, final thoughts before we head out of here? No, oh, man, just want to say thank you, and I appreciate you having me on. And again, really appreciate you, Kevin. Really appreciate everyone in the chat tonight. Jamie, Zach, Brian, Gator, and Jeff. Uh, of course, Jeff, thanks for everything. Going for two. If you want the hat and the shirt, by the way, goingfor2.com slash store or viridianglobal.com. Same thing. That Viridian is uh, our uh, official uh, merchandiser uh, for going for two. So uh, if you want to look like me not so much the the face and stuff but the the gear you can definitely do that and uh, check everything out on uh going for com when it comes to rankings i know we've got our rookie rankings out both for superflex and one qb as well as our dynasty rankings uh the the you know the redraft pre-draft rankings will come uh later on of course and uh, weekly rankings through the season and great shows every day of the week basically on the going for two live network i know tomorrow night uh speak on it Wednesday night, Jeff will, of course, be on uh, with the flagship armchair show, as he always is. Thursday night, this week, we do the Dynasty Gambit. Uh, but And uh, Brian, uh, the Dynasty Saturday Night 5, hint, hint, it's on Saturday. <laughs> Saturday night, uh, usually, so uh, definitely uh, great uh, Dynasty content there. And next Monday, uh, press coverage won't be back. Gladys and I, are, we're going to alternate every Monday. So uh, next Monday will be the two-point conversion. Gladys and Jay will be uh, back uh, at that, like they were last week. So my next episode of press coverage will be March 6th, two weeks from now. And a guest will be um, from the Dynasty Dads, Matt. I'll say his name this way because it's fun to say. Renshaw. Love Matt. Uh, and, uh, just a little hint to talking about, again, your humble beginnings, Kevin, here on the Going For Two Live Network. Uh, first uh, gig I ever had in the fantasy community was writing uh, with the Dynasty Dads. So appreciate Matt for that. And again, your, your beginnings here on Going For Two and my beginnings there kind of made it okay, these are the first two guests I'd like to bring on this season and uh, both happen to be teachers. So again, we're going to push that a little further and uh, I guess teach you all about teachers, I suppose. Yeah, no. Oh, yeah, I, uh, oh man. Yeah, you're having Renshaw on? Yeah, yeah. It'll be on in two uh, weeks. Uh, Renshaw is my favorite. So um, give, give, Renshaw, give, give Renshaw a shout out. That's my guy. I love Renshaw. Yeah, yeah, he's he's great. Can't wait to have that conversation. Uh, as much as I, again, I've I've wrote for them before. I don't think he and I have ever podcasted, so that'll be a fun experience. I've obviously followed him on Twitter for a long time and uh, love listening to them on the podcast. But uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, should be great in two weeks from now. But uh, I thought this episode was great. So again, thank you, Kevin. Uh, again, I'm Kyle Senra, and this was the third season premiere of Press Coverage. Bye for now.